Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the war room. We got Tez, Kill, Jimmy, PJ, B. Austin, a hot block commander. How you wanna end up one or two hour show to keep the brain running with the premises talk sports on a national level? Both with the topic, sort of like the rubber when it's game time, they like the fat five doing prime time. Sports conglomerates speak their minds a little bit. For sports medicine and sports veterans and great. The four for twenty six saw the war in Kuwait. It's the war room with five nights at the round table. Five silly guys diversified and educated. Yo, 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 what's good, War Room family? You are once again live in the War Room, brought to you by War Room Sports on the War Room Sports Podcast Network. I'm one of your hosts, Jimmy the Blueprint, and I'm at the round table with my brother, B. Austin, waiting on him now. Um, As usual, he's late. You know how it is. The NFL Conference Championship games were lit, and Super Bowl 53 is now set. Um, James Harden is still on fire if you haven't been paying attention, but we'll wrap about it all, so keep it locked right here. And to get in on the conversation yourselves, make sure you sign in right now to the JW Philly Realty chat room. That's at blogtalkradio.com slash the war room. Or you can join us on Facebook or Twitter. That's at war room sports. You can also call us directly in about five minutes. We're going to, you know, um, basically open everything up in about five minutes. But first, we got to speak with Fred Purdue. He's going to talk about the college all-star game. You know, he's the college football expert. <laughs> the number to the digital stream technologies hotline is 323-410-0012. Real quick shout out to Tobias because he gets upset when you call Fred the college football expert because he believes he is. But anyway, before we get started, make sure that during the week when we're not live on the air, you can check out all the archived episodes of, um, you know, War Room Sports. Five on warroomsports.com. So there's all archive episodes of the War Room, all of our content. You know, you can find at the hub, which is warroomsports.com. Make sure you take a listen to our back catalog. This is episode 450. So we've been doing this for a long time. We've been podcasting before podcasting was cool. And our back catalog is ridiculous with all kinds of amazing guests, um, all kinds of topics, you know, some that are as of that date, but some you can listen to at any time, some of the topics that we've tackled over the years in doing this show. You can find our uh, past shows right in the Warm Sports mobile app. You can go to iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spreaker, Google. You can find us anywhere that you listen to podcasts. My uh, personal favorite is um, Pocket Cast. That's my thing. You know what I'm saying? I roll with the Pocket Cast. But, you know, um, anywhere you get your podcast content, you can check us out. It's the War Room, T-A-T-W-A-R-R-O-O-M, for those, you know, who may have trouble <laughs> spelling some things. But, all, just make sure you check out everything that we've done because we put out a lot, a lot of content over the years. Like I said, this is a special. This is 450. I don't think you guys know how difficult it is to get 450 shows, but we've been rather consistent and we're still here giving you, giving you the best work that we got. Uh, hey, B. Austin, you in the building yet? I'm in the building. <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. I, I, I know, I know you're gonna be pulling up soon. You know, waiting, waiting for you, good brother. But what's good though, man? What's up in your world, man? Everything good? Family good? You good? Man, everything good. They setting up for the Super Bowl down here in Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm just watching the festivities. You know, laughing at Saints fans. Yay. Uh, real you're angry. You down there now? You down there now? So you, yeah. You down there? You going? You going go to any of the parties? You know what I'm saying? Nah, nah, brother. I, I, once you, you know, 
listen, there's this thing called 285 down here, man, right? So once you go inside 285 and then inside that loop, you're in Sodom and Gomorrah. And then people, you know, they, they run the show. So you never know what they're ah. going to tell you to do to get inside get inside of a party, you know, oh. they might, they may have you, they might have you out here like young buck, you know, out here doing what, what Puffy does, at, out here doing what Puffy does at them secret parties. You know what I'm saying? Out here, yo, you know, yo, out here like, yes, I back up. I don't, I don't really, I, I, you know, I can't. Touch it. I don't know if uh, our listeners are reading between the lines in terms of what you say, but I, I'm catching everything you say, mm-hmm. good brother Paul. But, uh, you know, some people love Atlanta, man, but some people tell the truth about Atlanta. I mean, that's like Atlanta in America. I got, you know what, though? I got love for Atlanta. But, you know, but Atlanta's diverse, though, because some people say that Atlanta's like, you know, the black mecca. For for, for a black person trying to, um, you know, come up, that's the best place to be. You know, so it's a... It's I think a there's a narrative. Know. I think there's a narrative being pushed, just like, you know, they could say this is the mecca. You know, how much of an oxymoron is it to have the have it be known for those activities and call it Mecca. But that's neither here nor there. I'm just saying. Oh, yo. Listen, I don't know a lot of people listen, listen, with you with you uh, what you're saying, man, but I ain't never you think can, about you that can you can be at the top you can be at the top of your game as an actor or an actress. You can go there as an actor in particular. But at some point you gotta put that lipstick on and wear that dress if you wanna make them hundreds of millions. And if you don't so, well, so you're saying that there's a narrative being there's a narrative about the area, about it being a black mecca, but there's also a second narrative that they, you know, ah, okay, all right, man, yeah. interesting. Listen, I'm speaking fast, but listen faster, so I don't have to slow down and you don't have to catch up. Listen, man, shout out to all our listeners out there in Atlanta. We got a lot of listeners in Atlanta, man. Um, you know, we love to support you guys, whatever you do, but uh. B. Austin's down there now, so he has his own perspective, and he's trying to put us down. And then, you know, if you call, I stay, I stay, I stay around, I stay around. I'm out, I'm out here. You know, I respect Sherman, General Sherman, came through and emancipated, or he came through and burnt it down. Depends on your perspective. Um, a lot of Confederate flags still around. A lot of Trump, supporters, a lot of folks that uh, they want to make America great again. Yo, how do you man take words like great and give it a negative connotation? Yo, because he is him. Yo, it's crazy because in a weird way, boys, boys is still a master marketer, man. Like, I, I always say that, like, the whole crooked Hillary thing that, like, stuck, this whole make fill in the blank great again. He made a slogan. I don't know if any other no. president, former no, no, president no, 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 no. has, like, a, an item. Hey. We can't we can't give him the credit of being a master marketer because now into in this day and age you don't have to do that much to be to be successful with marketing. I won't say good at marketing, but successful. You just got to make a lot of noise because so many people subscribe to the belief that all attention is attention. So it's like he's so far out in right field. Say left field. He's so far out in right field. That, but uh, it don't matter what he does. What, they are. what I was saying is, yeah, and the results are what they it's are. Never, so it's never, listen, it's never going to be a total disaster. It's never going to be a total disaster. 
I didn't call him a genius marketer because I don't throw the moniker genius around. What I said was he's, he's I said master are good at marketing because I mean the fact that he's there is nothing but marketing, right? When you when you look at the the but I, what I was talking about specifically is that red hat, all right? So I don't know if any other president has an item that that you can point to that's like their thing that pretty much evoke. I don't care how you feel about him. You can love him, you can hate him. That's none of my business. Like it is what it is. But what I'm saying is that hat itself yeah. just evokes the emotion. People see that hat, they get emotional one way or the other. It's a red hat this with white true. writing, though. <laughs> this is true. It's true. It's true. That's a good point. That's a great point. But you're 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 wondering what thing any other any other POTUS had? I think Bill Clinton had fellatio yeah. and a saxophone. I mean, I was talking about an item now. All right, let's move on, man. Let's move on. Let's let's get into the sports, man. Um, let's talk. Let's talk some hot topics. <laughs> Listen, before we do, let's talk about the money you can make betting at uh, at my bookie. I mean, shots are locked. Super Bowl Fifty Three is upon us, so if you haven't checked out my bookie, it's a great time to do so. Lay some dough down the biggest game in sports. You can join the war room and thousands of other online players placing bets at mybookie.ag. That's mybookie.ag. If you're tired of getting a runaround from other services when it's time to pay up, that's why you go to mybookie.ag. You win, they pay fast and without hassles. You're wasting your time sports betting anywhere else. They even have in-game live betting so you can place wagers after the game starts. Join now, and mybookie will match your first deposit with a 100% bonus. Use the promo code WARROOM, that's W-A-R-R-O-O-M, to activate this offer. Go to mybookie.ag and put in WARROOM. You know, listen, again, mybookie.ag, go play today, you get paid, you win, and you break your brothers off because you heard it from us, so look out for a brother. But, uh, you know, it's time to um bring on Fred Perdue. I think Fred Perdue is uh, waiting to come online now. Hey, Fred. Fred. Speaking of make America great again. Oh man, hold on. What'd you say? What's up? What's up? You on the air? You in the studio, bro? My fault. This ain't Fred. You You said it's not Fred. Oh, who is it? This ain't Fred. This Casey Mack. Who is it? Oh, this the Mack. Well, well, hold on though. Hold on though. While we wait for Fred, let's just talk to you because Fred is supposed to be here at this point. But you know, Fred is late as usual. We might have to play some with Tobias. But since you hear Casey Mack, man, and you called nice, bright. How does it feel to have two teams lose in the same playoffs? Well, I'm, I'm gonna say this. <laughs> I'm gonna say this. You know, I've played college football. I've played high school football. I've played many of sports. I've even gambled on games. But I have never sat there and cried like a baby like I did last Sunday. I mean, tears came down my eyes. For those who don't know, I want to catch our listeners up to speed. Casey Mack <laughs> is originally from Kansas City, but he moved to the he moved to Texas. So living in Texas, he he started supporting the Cowboys, but he's originally from Kansas City, hence the name Casey Mack. Um, and Casey Mack honestly thought that his hometown team was going this year, so he was fired up, and we saw the way the game played out. So that you're saying that's the worst loss that you've seen since you've been watching that football. That is the worst loss. I mean, I had I had. I didn't have money on it. I mean, 
I was just innocent Boston. I sat there and watched the game, and tears just came yep. down my eyes when we yeah. took the lead. Cause well, we man, going, KC, we I'm trying to think of KC. Yeah. I was I was with you I was with you and I don't and I don't root you know my rooting rooting interest died when the Saints went marching in but I actually we're tied to Big Red and Andy Reid and I'm an Andy Reid supporter and I like Kermit the Frog at quarterback so it hurt me and 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 plus on, on the third the third level is I root against all Satanists so I'm against the Patriots at all levels because they're Satan's team. So I'm rooting for y'all. They didn't give my man a chance to get back on the field, man. That Damn. Crap, man. Well, hold on, though. Let me ask you a question, Casey Mack, because I'm, I'm sitting there trying to think, and I'm trying to jog my brain in terms of some of the worst losses in uh, Chiefs history. The only thing that comes to mind to me is that year uh, when Joe Montana took the Chiefs to the playoffs and, he was out there looking like Superman, and I thought he was going to the bowl, and it came like a couple plays short. Outside of that, I can't really think of any tough losses like this. I'm pretty sure my brother's is well, any specific losses, but. Well, that Lynn Elliott, uh, wide left, that was pretty bad back uh, in the day as well. We had uh, the best record yeah. in the um, AFC and first-round first round by and aspirations, and we can't kick a, yeah. a chip shot. So that was bad, but I nothing that. touches this. Nothing, because it was because you it guys was so were, many highs and lows. The number one seed. Exactly, but you know, even even when we were down fourteen nothing, I was I was cool. I said, you know what, we got them right when we want them. We're a second half team. Mahomes is gonna figure it out. He figured it out. We just coaching. You know, coaching. Do you blame that you know, loss on the defense or coaching? I blame the Bronx on D Ford. Strictly, I mean, he said, forget, he said forget defense and coaching. He's going to name one Hell play. Up. I mean, like this. that, that one play. That... Go ahead. Here's the thing, right? D Ford, D Ford, and for those who don't know who D Ford is, a little more context, he's the guy that lined up in the neutral zone when Tom Brady threw the pick that would have ended the game, but he gave Patriots life again. Um, I saw Andy Reid come out this week and say that the refs are supposed to warn him when he's lining up, and they didn't do so. What do you make of that? Man, we should be going to some both. I mean, you I know like you're this. not going to get that. You know, you know I, you're not going to get that warning. You know, and and I'm not trying to be like – I'm not, I'm not going to be like the uh, New Orleans Saints fans and say, whoa. And I was even about to say, that, you, you, it could be worse. Too. But, but like I said, D4, I mean, he, he should have known he was uh, over the line. I mean, it was blatant. I hate, There's no argument. I can't say. Well, they they shouldn't have called it. No, they he was he was wrong. He was wrong. Listen, here's my thing. I, I, mean, man, I actually feel bad. I feel bad for you guys because I was actually rooting for you too. Although I really don't care, but you know. But at the end of the day, I I want to see Andy Reid get his just due when it's all said and done because I think he is one of the better coaches, and he's just missing that one thing on his resume. So I was actually rooting for Andy Reid for that reason. <laughs> Um, you gotta root. It. You uh, gotta root against evil. Is, you gotta root against yeah, evil. That, that too. That too. I didn't. I didn't want the MAGA team to win either. But at the same time, um, I heard the sentiment going across the, uh, you know, on, on the social media. It's like, oh, they'll be back. He's young. No, and that's I not true. People, that's <laughs> I always not tell true. people, Dan Marino was young too. Exactly. And he played. He played a couple decades trying to get back and never went back. So. 
But this goes to show you how difficult it is to actually win a championship. Exactly. And which That's is why, why you have to give the Patriots Casey Mack was crying like a baby because that was our shot. Man, San Diego was going to be good next it's, year. And then, you know what? It took one game so, for them to have home field advantage. That's, yo. It's going to be hard. Yo. Here's, the, yo, here's what's crazy, right? Winning a championship you, is not just about talent. It's not about skill. You need certain things to fall into place. I mean, think about those two games. Those two games, two plays go a different way, and we got two different teams in the bowl. Well, you know what? Look at look at Julian Edelman. Julian Edelman has two of the most prolific catches or, or uh, replays of all time. That catch in the Super Bowl that had to be reviewed. Mm-hmm. That, that catch right there won them the game against Atlanta. And that little muff crap yeah. that they had of the day. Oh, my God. But you know I'm like this. I, I, I mean, to, I, like this. They they did what they needed to do. They had some tough catches at the end. The third and ten killed us. So I mean, if you want to blame anything, blame the third and long. We had them dead right several times. Now what, what would he uh thirteen for nineteen off the third down? We not we ain't supposed to win. Yeah. So I mean, and you know what? I don't know. I know Fred getting ready to come on with us. And he's a Patriots fan, right? So. You know, um, although although I do think he's somewhat of a front runner, but that's either here nor there, Fred. But um, I, the thing you can say about the Patriots is they are beatable. But what they did, what they did, and which is uh, you know, in my Rudy Tom Janovich voice, you can't underestimate the heart of a champion. Is that because most of that game really looked terrible to me personally. But exactly. when it came down to making plays, when it came down to making plays, when he had to make plays, he looked like the old Tom Brady. And he so did. You, I don't even know. Yeah, it's like when he had to do what he had to do, he did what he had to do. You know what I mean? Like, so you have to give him credit for that. But man, Casey Mack, oh. thanks for calling in bright and early with us, man. We about to move on hey, talk I, a little I, bit. You know, we're gonna get into this in a little bit. Hey, congrats on uh, number four fifty. Thank you, sir. We appreciate the support as always, <laughs> man. And uh, better luck no next doubt. year. I know, I know you had a rough. I know you had a rough week, man. <laughs> Y'all be good. All right, take it easy, homie. Yes, you. Let's get on Fred. Let's get on Fred Purdue, who shows up late for work as usual, man. Let's see. Uh, hey, hey, Fred, you there? Hey, this is Tobias, man. Yo, Fred still in here. All right, so now we got Tobias on. You know, you, you yo, know, yo, I yo, on the air we, yo. Hey, I man. just mentioned on air that we're going to re- have to replace Fred with you, man. You don't like Fred being called a college football expert anyway. But, I've been, you know, uh, I've been told Tobias to take Fred's job. Tobias don't want it. Hey, I, I, you know, all yeah. the different time zone here, so my hours may be a little screwed up and stuff. And I'm in an area where where you know MAGA runs deep here. But uh, you know, uh, be careful, man. Be careful out there. Hey, now I had got to got to an argument with a guy I know who criticized every black person who sang for Trump, but he's a Pat fan, love Brady. I'm like, well, what's, what's the difference here, guy? Uh, but but <laughs> when I watched those games, right, the Saints were uh-huh. screwed when they got in Rams territory early and they didn't get touchdowns. When Drew Brees kept throwing yeah. those cold ducks, shout out to my one of my favorite alcoholic beverages, cold duck, uh, called five ninety nine for a <laughs> bottle. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but here's the thing. When you don't convert and you're at home, that crowd can't be loud for every human being. 
And also, mm-hmm. you know, Drew Brees didn't play great, right? We got to admit that. We got to admit yeah. Father Time is catching up with him. We won't say it because we like him. He didn't want a Super Bowl where Bush wasn't mm-hmm. offered. So we like him. Yes, I hate, yeah. I hate to say it. Go Bucks. Oh, they call quick, all they real want. Quick, real quick. Real quick, though, Tobias, and I, and I want to say this, right? So, you know, obviously everybody knows I don't watch all the games, and I didn't see a majority of that game. I just saw the very end of it. But I did happen to catch the whole uh, Chiefs game because I was somewhere in there watching it. So I saw, I saw the Chiefs yeah. game. I didn't see the um, most of the Saints game. And I did see that Drew Brees wasn't playing his best. But if I'm not mistaken, in the beginning of this season, he was having a good season, but towards the end, and I think someone Yo. told me that it was um, – they tried to pinpoint to a game. It's like a Cowboys game, I think. Tobias, Tobias yeah. is mistaken. Tobias is mistaken with the notion that Drew Brees has fallen off. Drew Brees has literally a, 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 a midget to throw to and a guy that's Jason Avant, a Jason Avant clone. Like that's all. That's well, all he has. I want to ask both you guys a question because I heard a lot of people say this and in, in, in doing a little research. They were saying that. Uh, Drew Brees has never had weapons, right? I mean, never had name weapons. Let's put it that way. But Not they said name that the Cowboys did something. The Cowboys did something when he played them defensively, and they said that I don't know whether it was the way they defended him or something happened, in in which he hadn't looked the same after that game. Because in the beginning of the season, Drew Brees has put up numbers. He was in the MVP race, and still in the MVP race. But they said that towards the last couple of games. After they played the Cowboys and the Cowboys gave him their work, um, he hasn't been the same. And even in the Eagles game, he wasn't um, dominant, but he made a lot of third-down conversions. He he, he kind of did what Brady did. He made the plays when he had to. Yeah, uh, but, like, I think what the Cowboys did was they were so fast at linebacker and a secondary uh-huh. where they actually could chase down Alvin Kamara. And the, the key to beating the Saints is slowing down their running game. They didn't run the ball well last mm-hmm. year. And, and that was, remember those three or four years of Drew Brees is going seven and nine. They, he was putting up numbers, yeah. but the running game was trash and the defense was trash. He got that support. Nothing wrong yeah. with that because every quarterback needs support. Everyone. So, so basically, uh, but so basically you're they, they didn't have a complimentary football to help them out. If the you're saying he feeds out the running game, but the running game is open. It opens up everything else for him. Especially that since Michael Turner's not a burner, they you know, like that. But the Saints, the thing I'm worried about with the Saints, I'm not worried about, like, F them anyway. But uh, they went all in this year. They traded a couple of draft picks to move up and get this Marcus Davenport kid, who's a good promise to defense the lineman, but they in salary cap hell. I'm thinking that Drew Brees is going to be like Peyton Manning. When, remember that year in Denver where Peyton Manning was hot at first, then it just changed over the middle towards the end of the year, and uh, and then that next year he wasn't the same guy. Yeah. And Peyton yeah, had weapons. Yeah, though, because his last his last year Peyton was Peyton was throwing like an eighty year old man. He got older, but that's the thing though. When you talk about sports, you don't never know when it's going to hit it somebody. Hits. Like the only person. The only person to probably never hit, and to be honest with you, and, and, and people know that, I, you know, I talk trash about him, but I don't think Father Tom really hit Mike because even when Mike got a little older, he still was probably one of the best players in the league. But I've seen Father Tom hit players where, like Peyton Manning, where he's just like, yo, you're a shell of yourself. What are you doing? He, he wasn't even throwing spirals yeah. at the end. And my man Peyton Manning was here today, gone tomorrow. 
<laughs> like, yeah, it's crazy yeah, how that so, happened. I mean, yo, I, I, and, and, I, I hope and it I hurt hope me. That happened to Drew Brees. Yo, it hurt me. It hurt me so bad because I used to live for the opportunity to say how great Peyton Manning was, even though he won that bowl. Yo, Peyton Manning looked terrible that last year. Terrible. Yeah, he they won they won despite Peyton Manning, right? So, but I I just hope. I don't, you know, I, I hope I don't have to see Drew Brees that way because, like, I want to go out on the high note. That, go, go out. You know, yeah, yeah, but you know, it is what it is. Like, you you can't fight by the time, man. But, but what do you think overall about this matchup now, um, going into the bowl with the Rams and the Chiefs? Uh, well, here's my thing, right? I had to touch about the Patriots. See, the thing about the Patriots, they remind me of the Golden State Warriors in this way. They lot of people. Golden State got people thinking all they do is jack up threes, but they spend most of the time getting layups in mid-range. And yeah. New England, people don't realize this. New England under Brady has always ran the ball well. Yeah, you may not yeah, know who the, the hell the running backs are. Yeah, they run the ball. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Cause remember, they got a, they got a Haitian. Like, they got a Haitian. They got a Zoe, a Zoe Pound member who a little light in the body, <laughs> but he was getting busy. My man Sony yeah, Michelle be man. getting busy like Sakpase. Because, but it, but but you know what though they're well balanced. They're well balanced because like you said, yeah, they use the run instead of the pass and and vice versa. Listen, I yeah. mean they they run a system and their system is effective. Think about this: a couple of years ago they won a Super Bowl with an eighty-five-year-old Corey Dillon playing running back. Remember that? And I was about to bring that up. They had Corey Dillon. I remember they had Antoine Smith. I know Curtis Martin moved on before then, but they always believe in a running game. And that's why I'm not big on this whole – see, Broncos teams back in the late 90s, early 2000s, got everybody fooled to a running back by committee. But somehow those running backs left Denver, they did jack squat. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's, no, because, still because, about because to, it's about a system. But it's a system. Yeah. The Patriots have a system too. But I, but I still don't believe, in my personal opinion, that you waste an early draft pick on a running back because – I mean, history has shown you can find effective guys later on if you have the right system. Because what it really boils down right, to is right. what Austin always say. It's all down to the fat it's guys. About the, it's about it's about them fat boys in the trenches. The fat boys in the trenches win football games, like, and that's just what it is. Jim, you know what though? That, that, that's why I was one of the reasons I was against Saquon Barkley going to the Giants, picking that high. So I remember I I, I, I give Michael Lombardi credit. He said, "Yeah, Saquon's a Bentley, but." Sonny Michelle, Nick Chubb are like Porsches. A Porsche still run good, <laughs> you know. And, uh, but like, yeah, but you got yeah. them late first round anyway. But he still spent the first round pick on Sonny Michelle, but he was a later first round pick. Now I understand that if you got a Todd Gurley, Adrian Peterson, but the Rams always had talent. They had Jeff Fisher coaching. But but the yeah, fact that it's by the Patriots. The if you're if you're if you're a great running back, right? And you're one of the greatest running backs. I don't care how great you are, you can be taken out of a game. You can be taken out of yep. the game. If you put your money and your early picks into those fat guys up front, you, you know what I mean? Like, you can find you a, a team super running back second round, late first round, you know, to run behind those horses. I mean, you know, some of those holes yeah. that M- M- Michelle was running through, especially those goal line plays, I'm like, yo, any of us could have ran a I don't even know. I don't even know if Sony Michelle – I don't even know if Sony Michelle is good because the holes be so big. That's what she said. That um, I, I just like I, he doesn't have to do anything to 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 really get busy. Where I disagree, 
where I yo, oh my god. I feel sorry for him. But where where I um where I disagree and I don't even think I disagree with your premise, either of you, I absolutely believe you build the, the O line and you draft late. But Saquon Barkley might be the exception. And here's why. It's not just the fact that he's so explosive with the rock in his hand and he's Barry Sanders' great is Barry Sanders' grandson. But his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield adds another dimension where you start to talk about him in the same sentences with Le'Veon Bell and 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 Ty Gurley. So I don't mind now, that I, I first round draft pick because he catches the ball so well. Most Giants fans that I know and talk to didn't like it because, especially the ones that are very objective. Like I, I'll give you an example. Um, well, not even an example. Let's just back up a second. Because even if you get him that early, right, and he's running behind a trash old line, for which the most part he did, um, you're still not going to have success in the win-loss column versus building up front That's true. and getting someone That's like true. a Tony Michelle in the late first round or someone in the second round. Now, you know what I mean? Like, you that's a lot for a first round draft so, for a running so, back that excuse me that early. Totally, I totally agree. I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that, Jimmy. I just think I'm it's looking at it. That. I'm looking at it from the perspective of a fan. So that line of thinking I apply to the team I root for, but but outside of the team I root for, I'm just here to be entertained. So I don't want the Giants to win any <laughs> games. They can go home fifteen. <laughs> I want. My man, I want my man Saquon to have 100 yards every time, except when he plays us, and they go 0-16. I'm cool yeah. with that. I'm here to be on the team. Yeah, it, 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 you know what? Not, he's he's definitely the best. But the thing is, I don't know how you combine him, like because it doesn't from win from a win loss standpoint. To me, it's still about the guys up front. So you got to build their offensive and defensive line. Perspective, you know one million like, percent right. You one million percent right if you use the Giants as an example because they have a top five receiver, a top three running back, a top forty five quarterback, and they still can't win because the O line is trash. <laughs> Who um, where was Alvin Kamara drafted? It's like third round, like and the you know, he was like on four, him. Yeah, third or four. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just thinking but about, see, the, but you know what, about the running backs that played last weekend in the conference championships. Like who had who had a, uh, who had a stud running back pause? Like I'm no, thinking about Spencer, like, Kamara, Spencer Mark Ware, Ingram was Spencer the first Ware round. Might have been, Spencer Ware might have been drafted in the eighth round, and they don't even got an eighth round. Yeah, I, I know Mark Ingram went in the first, <laughs> so, but you know you know one thing about the Patriots though, the four lineup outside. I'll give my Super Bowl thing in a second. A lot of times, one play can change legacy. What would the narrative be yeah. right now if D Ford lined up onside Brady through that third interception? Oh man, Brady's getting a little older. We don't know about the Patriots. Oh, we be, now we be tra- hey, we be Tom Brady's a right goat. Yes. And uh and then yes, that like I heard you guys say, there is no guarantee Pat Mahomes back to the Super Bowl because they're gonna have to pay him in a couple years. And some of those defensive linemen, Tyreek Hill, are you gonna be able to afford all those guys? when Pat Mahomes get that big record-breaking deal. Yeah. And so those Craig, are the yeah. things that My people don't understand. Kermit, Kermit, Kermit D-Frog is getting that Miss Piggy money. Make no mistake about it. He is going to get yeah. that cheek. Yeah. And like, and like talking about the Super Bowl, right, here's the problem. Uh, that the Rams, 
I think the Rams, they don't have a true number one receiver to pay. It's like, we're going to take this person out. Cooper Cup. I think the thing – yeah, Cooper Cup's out with a knee injury. Oh, yeah, uh, He tore right. his knee up. Yeah. yeah. So, honestly, I think Todd Gurley got to be healthy, and they got to run that ball. I know Belichick may line up and try to stop him, but I think it's going to be an interesting matchup. I think the Patriots are going to win because the ball somehow bounces their way. And we already know that, that a cornerback will make an interception. They're going to say Tom Brady did it single-handedly. But anyway, uh, anyway uh, <laughs> yeah, but listen, um, I in, think in, that in our, in our I think actual, that Bel- Belichick and McVay will be a good coaching matchup. Well, in our chat room, uh, Shopping Savad, he says that, um, you know, there's no guarantees. Your next step could be a last step. You say this, there's no guarantees you'll get back unless you're Brady, of course. Yeah, and here's the thing you got to be realistic about. Brady, look what division Brady plays in compared to one Patrick Mahomes in. Denver never really been terrible for like an eight-year stretch. Uh, San Diego's a good team. They got a tougher division. Their schedule going to be tougher next year as a first-place schedule. So, and who knows? Then you got the injury bug, perhaps. Find a running back to replace Kareem Hunt because he was the Patriots killer. Because every time they played the Patriots, he was mm-hmm. giving them that work. And so you still got to replace yeah. that guy. Hope my bucks get him. But I think it's going to be a good game. I, I, I'm curious to see what adjustment Sean McVay makes because Belichick, those guys be on it. And this shows why Tom Brady, as Ron Parker called the luckiest of all time, because of the infrastructure and the stability he has. A lot of those coaches been around for, like, double-digit years. The damn offensive coordinator only missed two seasons out of retirement. And he came back. They have towards the same coaching staff the whole time, all this continuity, a good owner who actually likes Tom Brady handshake. Uh, you know, so I think that's where sometimes you talk about the luck aspect of where you go, your right fit at the right time. Mm-hmm. No, you're absolutely right. And could you imagine if the Rams pulled this out, how Sean McVay, how they're going to gush over him for the next decade? <laughs> Hey, Jimmy, the get-back coach, the Gatorade boy, the guy who's the assistant setting the flight schedule, all of them getting jobs. Ain't going to be no black coaches now. They're going to be Sean McVay's strength and conditioning coach getting a job. The Gatorade may get a job. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> the way this is going. And, uh, and I feel sorry for the guy in a way because he's like, I don't have a coaching tree. I haven't, I haven't been around that long. And these teams are stupid. It's like – that. They're like the, like the Cardinals. They hired a guy who failed at Texas Tech. He got fired at his alma mater. You know how hard it is to get fired at your alma mater? Uh, <laughs> you know? And, uh, and so they hired him. They hired, like, uh, the Titans. I mean, the Packers uh, hired his one of his guys. <laughs> Hold up. Listen. I'm sorry. You're breaking up. You're right, but – No, can you hear me? I can hear you now. All right. What I was saying is, Football is weird that way, like where where the, the people get on bandwagons and, and jump on movements, and it's like not as Sean McVay as that guy. If you like share the meal with him, you're gonna get a job, right? It, it, it's like that, and in, in, it's ridiculous. Like, I've heard well, some stories, like, and I know, yeah, I heard some people were exaggerating, but it was like, yo, anybody who's come across Sean McVay in the last twelve months is like getting an interview, like he's he's that hot of a, a commodity, and. You know, we, we see the same thing in, like, the music business or, or if, if an artist, like, blows up, who's their friend? Who's around them? Like, everybody gets a deal. Like, 
it's weird like that. But if he wins this bowl, it's going to be, you know, he's a young guy. He's the youngest coach, right? Youngest coach ever or whatever. But if he wins the Super Bowl this early, oh, my God. He's going to be like John Gruden all over again, but times 56. Like, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be and, crazy. And, you know, in the thing is that we got to say, people say what they want. This man did a damn good job because Jared Goff looked like a bust the year before he, he got there. And, uh, mm-hmm. and like, he made him look look like look good. And wait, he pretty much going to his strengths. And I just think that, like, it's like with Saban in college. All the, like, every year they pick his coaches, but I'm like, he ain't sa- they ain't Saban. Or like they did with the Eagles last year. That ain't that coach of Belichick. They ain't Belichick. You know, you ain't going to replicate that because that guy is that guy. And remember when Phil Jackson yeah. kept getting, getting picked and they all got fired in a year or so? They realize Jim Clemens ain't mm-hmm. coach. Uh, <laughs> I just think that, but, that uh, but that's the way it is. That, Sports is monkey see, yep. monkey do, man. Like what, that, that's just the way it is. It's, it's crazy that way. It's very crazy that way. But you know, people try to get that magic. Not, like if you if you're a Popovich guy, you get a job. Yeah, and and that's crazy. And uh, and I say this real quick. I know everybody talking about like uh, you know, Harden and stuff like that. I've been a critic because I believe, hey. Like Devin shouted him, he said Chris Paul's fifth are going down. But I wonder how this is going to affect free agency if anybody wants to come to Houston with the style they play. And uh, would I don't think they'll be able to land a big fish with that style of play. I don't know if they could afford it anyway. But just speaking, yeah, you know, could they, 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 attract... they can't afford a big fish. Yeah, and uh, and that and like and I I get this guy Zach Low credit on this. He said like change like the pace of the Jazz. Why you got cap space trying to get a free agent? Use that cap space to trade for a good player. It's under your contract for three years, and I, and you know, but I think that will harden. He's not gonna be able to keep this up. We know it. But at the same time, people gotta remember, Houston's four and four right now. She'll be three and five if the Lakers close the deal Saturday night. Where hell, half the team got hurt. So we gotta remember, he's doing this, and they're barely winning, and his go-to move is traveling. <laughs> you know, but 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 here's what you gotta understand though, and I I, I pointed this out when we were having a conversation in our group chat earlier, um, that the Dan Tony system is such that there's gonna be one guy that gets all the points and all the assists and looks like they're they're a world beater, because when Jeremy Lin played with Dan Tony, that's when Lin Sanity happened, and then and then when oh. Dan Tony walked away, Lin Sanity stopped right away, um. Listen, listen, no, it's not just, there you go. It's not just, it's not just Linsanity. You can go through a list of of guards, typically point guards, that can run the pick and roll. It ain't even about your game or your athleticism. If you can run the pick and roll, Dan Tony what, what, can uh, increase you. I think, I think Raymond Felton. Raymond Felton. Game playing with Dan Tony. 19 and 8. One year under Dan Tony, Raymond Felton. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. So, but when you like, now, and and this is to actually give Harden credit because Harden is better than all those guys skill wise. So when you apply right. his skills to, to that system, you get this magic. Yeah, and I so, so, so I think I think that I think that Harden, you could raise a player by two levels. So I think Harden is potentially a Hall of Famer normally. In D'Antoni's system, he looks like an icon. 
<laughs> he looks like an icon living. But yo, um, yeah, living you know, icon. Yeah. Talk about a little bit about that a little bit, man. But thanks for your call, as always, man. We might get you to replace Fred because Fred ain't here yet, and we about to move on because you know he sold us out. But Tobias, man, thanks for your call. Thanks for your support, as always, man. And um, you know, roll down. All right, man. Take it easy, fellas. Go Please. to hell. All right, take it easy. <laughs> Yeah, he, he, caught, he, he caught that. He caught that. Yeah. But anyway, man, um, let's move on. Let's move on past that. Let's talk real quick. Just want to um, say congratulations to uh, Baseball Hall of Fame class: Mariano Rivera, Edgar Martinez, Doc Roy, Doc Holiday, and Mike Mussina. Um, Bonds and Clemens still a no go. But no. both of these gentlemen and <laughs> getting in the hall. Mariano Rivera, unanimous vote, um, and many thought that he wouldn't get it because there's this uh, thing in baseball where they don't want to give anybody a unanimous vote because Babe Ruth didn't get one um, on his first go-around. So uh, Mariano got that. And it's interesting. I don't understand. Go ahead. No, I was saying I saw people this week (laughs) talking about his legacy and what Mariano is. Like, most people will say he's the greatest closer of all time. But I saw some people say he's actually the greatest. Well, one person say he's the greatest failure of all time because the fact that you're a closer means that you can't sustain a, you can't sustain to be a starter in the major league, so you become a closer. Yo, so, in fact, yo, he's the greatest, that's he's the greatest of, failure of all time. You know, that's kind of interesting, man. And, and I'm certainly by no means the baseball expert of war room sports. But when I analyze him and I analyze the game, as I learned the game, I was like, all right, on one hand, this dude comes in kind of like a six man throws one, maybe two pitches, gets you to F out of there in like 15 minutes. And that's his job. And it don't matter what battle he's facing, he's going to take you down. But it's only like an inning and a half. (laughs) Here's what I will say. Baseball is such now these days that you have specialists, right? So it's not like he's a scrub, so we're going to make him the closer. He's a specialist. So, And I I tried to make an analogy to, like, other sports when I was thinking about it. I'm like, well, he's. He's clearly the best at what he does. He's a closer, but he's a specialist. So I was like, in the, in the NBA, if you have a three-point shooter and they're clearly the best, dude, like, dude, how do I rate them if they're a specialist? You know what I mean? Like, they they not think, going they not going to the hall. So I mean, there's somebody out there like yeah, I know I know I know uh, Rod is listening. He's a baseball guy, baseball guy, case to Mac. Let me know if I'm. That's a great. Ball, that's but. a great. Listen, that's a great analogy. That's a great analogy. But in NBA terms, you're not going to the hall if you're Kyle Korver. Like, as much as we like to celebrate uh, the, the Gable, uh, Ray, Ray Allen, as much as we like to celebrate Whoa. Ray, he, he was far more than just a three-point shooter. So everybody that I think of that's that's purely a specialist, whether it's a three and D guy, whether it's purely a three guy defender, they're not going to the Rodman might be the only one mm-hmm. that's just going to the hall solely off 
of being a specialist. It's a good analogy. It's a comparable thing. But the hall, that's where it, it, it kind of falls short. Yeah, because here's what I here's what I was going to ask, right? In the NFL, is I, I I'm trying to think. I know kickers have made it. Are there any pass, special rushes, teams players? Rushes. But how about a special teams player? Mm, Devin is Devin Hester going to the hall? You know what I mean? That's what I'm thinking about. How, how many like in any other sport do you get in for being a specialist? That's kind of the question I'm trying to lead to. Like. I don't know. You know, I know Ray Guy is in the NFL Hall of Fame, and he was a punter. And that's where they failed. (laughs) Because kickers are not human beings. They shouldn't exist. And real quick, circling back to our conversation um, in the chat room, Skyview is saying that when um, the Saints won the Super Bowl, Drew Brees had mega weapons. I'm trying to remember who was on that team. Scotty, let us know who he had at, at uh, the skill positions back then. I just don't remember. Like, I know it was post Deuce. Joe Horn. So who was who was his receiver? Deuce. Uh, who was the receivers? That was be- a little before Marcus Colston, I, mean, I think. Yeah, so what I'm saying is if they if they were a mega weapons, you probably remember their name. I don't know their mega weapons, but maybe you can like remind us who was on that team. Um but yeah, I was thinking about that in terms of Mariano, like uh, you know, people were talking about his greatness. I'm like, well, he's a specialist and if you apply that across the board, what other specialists get in or don't get in? Um let me see. I don't know who you say who's a uh Casey Max says Colton. You saying Colton or Colton? Either way, I don't I don't know if um that's a mega weapon, but Devry Henderson. Devry Henderson isn't a mega weapon. Yo Colson and Devry yo, Henderson. Yo, if you never would have said Devry Henderson right now, we never would have brought him up for the rest of our lives. That's true. Devry Henderson. Devry like, Henderson. First of all, for now on I'm not even calling him Devry, I'm calling him DeVry because uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> DeVry Henderson. Yo, know, DeVry Henderson isn't a mega weapon. I don't know. Hey, 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 hey Scott, you got to define what mega weapon is. When I think of mega weapon, I think of, like, you know, all-time greats. But Marcus Colson is underrated. Henderson. Marcus Colson is underrated because he was a very good receiver. A super weapon he was not. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. All right, so salute to those guys who got into the Hall of Fame. Um, we want to have that kind of – probably take a top conversation to our Facebook page or something like – can specialists from any other sport? Would they are they looked at the same way closers are in baseball? You know. But anyway, um, let's talk a little bit of boxing real quick. Let's talk about your man AB, all about the billions. Um, Adrian Broner. Um, he thinks that he was robbed versus Pac-Man. Um, in their pay-per-view match, which actually did about 400k pay-per-view buys, which was uh more than the last heavyweight fight. So they actually put up a, a nice amount of numbers, probably based on him selling it on Instagram. But saying that he was robbed, I don't know if you saw the fight. I saw the fight, and it went just like I said last week. For those um, who don't remember, go back and listen to last week when I said he's going to lose because he doesn't swing his hands. I, I said I want him to win because I'm always going to root for the African descendant. But he doesn't. He doesn't. Yo, my man just doesn't fight. I don't understand it. Like it's it's, it's yeah. mind boggling. 
yo, in, first in of all, before before how you, how you before we get into before we get into it, yo, I saw the interview where the boss said you only threw eight punches in the round. <laughs> um, <laughs> before we get into your root this, let's talk about your rooting interest. So, would you root for Steven? Shout out to Django. <laughs> now, it depends upon who Steven's opponent is. Um, Yo, we can't root for thing, AB. Right? So, so, you can't root for right, that dude, thing man. About AB. I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why I do, right? Granted, it's cringeworthy sometimes because of the way he carries himself. But there's a small part of me, and it's the, it's the ratchet part of me, that enjoys when he um when he acts very uh, – I don't even know the word to use when he goes around Europeans and just acts the way he acts. It's a part of me. There's, there's a part of me that actually enjoys that because he makes them so uncomfortable and I enjoy it tremendously. Um, and I can't even lie about that. I know I sound immature saying that, but there's a small part of me that actually gets a kick out of that. Um, Cause I love this. Yo, you, you, Muhammad Ali, <laughs> Jeff Fort, they all made him uncomfortable too. But they were uncomfortable with yeah, the did. the intellectualism. They made them uncomfortable because they thought they was going they thought they was going to catch hands around them guys. But um, so there's a small part of me that enjoys uh, the coonery. Let's let's not let's keep it a bean. Like Ooh. from an entertainment standpoint, you know, I, I part of me is still immature, man. I'll never grow up. So part of me finds that to be amusing. Not gonna lie about that. Um, Yo, neither will I. But, but still, he's a coon. Yeah, I mean, you know, well, that's subjective. But hell, hold up, though. Stop you. Stop it, man. Just stop it, man. He says Marcus, Marcus Colson had over a thousand yards that season. That's no longer sure. a benchmark. That's that. That benchmark is thousand yards. It's some. It's some trash receivers that get a thousand yards these days. But um, again, you said mega weapons, man. You know that's not a mega weapon. You you just let yo. Just, let I like yo. Marcus Colson is the homie from Pennsylvania. He's the homie. He ain't a mega weapon though, you know. Yo, Scott, you can admit that you was a uh, uh, how they say in the DMV. You cite that one. He wasn't a mega weapon. Man. <laughs> anyway, get him, get him back to the fight though. My man landed like fifty punches total in the whole fight. Yo, he just wasn't fighting. I, I just don't, you know, it's, it's robbery. But and the crazy part is because they did the amount of buys they did. If he would have just shown better. He probably would have been able to get more, um, you know, more money and, and more fights. But his showing was just awful. Yo, his career awful. is done. His career I, is I done, thankfully. I don't even know what he can do at this point, man. But he said he's back on Instagram he he like he wants. Go back on Instagram, paint the uh, paint the the whites around his eyes a little brighter, and then you got the raccoon. Yeah. Listen, man, we talked. We already talked a lot about the NFL. Uh, what happened with our uh, first couple calls? We got in. Um, Yo, know, Luke Descalfio. He said, "Yeah, yeah." He admits it. He said, "Overachiever." So they went from a he went from a mega weapon to an overachiever. So we agree now, Scalfio. He definitely was an overachiever. But um, be awesome. I want to ask your overall opinion about those two games. Um, again, like I said, I saw some of the um the end of the Saints game, and I saw the whole Chiefs game. What do you think about the games overall? Um, and what's your initial thoughts on the uh, Patriots versus Rams? Um, I thought I thought that the 
I thought that the Rams were going to lose that game, even though I picked them. Mm-hmm. I thought the Rams were going to yeah. lose that game. I thought that Drew Brees was going to do Drew Brees things, and he didn't play terrible. Mm-hmm. I believe that Sean Payton and some of his play calling, um, he's a great play caller. But with all greats, when you do something well, sometimes you tend to show off. Like I try and explain that in our conversation with certain shooters in the NBA. Like you'll see one guy that shoots a high percentage. You'll see another guy shoots a lower percentage. The guy that shoots the lower percentage is willing to take more difficult shots. It's not that he's a worse shooter. The guy that has the higher percentage stays in his lane. Okay, so Sean Payton knows that he's very creative and very adept at calling plays. Yo, you don't got to bring number seven in, man. The boy Peyton and and kill Drew Brees' <laughs> rhythm and run Drew Brees in and out because you got a white toy that plays like a athletic black guy. Yo, get dude out of there, man. You, you're doing too much. You're breaking people's rhythm. You're hurting things. So I put some of that on Sean Payton. Uh, obviously, the refs blew the call, but I never believe ever in my life that one play changes the complexion of the entire game. I feel as though you lose the game based on the momentum that you build or destroy throughout the course of a game. And so that play, as egregious as it was, didn't cost the Saints their road to the Super Bowl, allowing the Rams to come back. And as Tobias pointed out, the Saints not scoring early um, cost them, you know. So that that's really the take. The, the play was terrible. The play was was egregious. Someone should be fired. Someone should be fine. Heads should definitely roll. But that wasn't what cost the Saints. Um, the Chiefs versus. Well, hold on, real quick. Hold on. Let's say, let's say let's say there real quick. Let's say there real quick. Say there. Okay. It's interesting because. I, I hear a lot of people say that, but my response to them is, what if that was your squad? How would you feel if that was your Eagles? Mm-hmm. They, they could have made that, you know, they would have got that penalty, kneeled on the ball, kicked the field goal, and would have been on their way to the bowl, but the refs didn't call it. Um, and you can point to a lot of plays in the game. You can't say it's that one play, but how would you feel if that was your team? Um, in the words of Christopher uh, White, somebody got to die. On one hand, I, I get your point. You can't really point to one play, but duh, that was that might have been one of the more egregious things I've seen in terms of a missed call. When you when they slow it down and show the ref was staring at it, he looked like he was going to make the call. You see the other ref like flag him off, like don't call it. It's just it's just weird. I mean, you know, you, you know, I love a good conspiracy theory, but that was just weird. Like, how do you miss that? So you think? I mean, listen, we all, well, hey, listen, that could have been that Robert Kraft put that call in and said, this is who we want to face. Uh, We're not trying to see Drew. We're more comfortable facing golf. I don't know, man. I don't, that was crazy. If that that was your Raiders, how would you feel? Like, it's all fun and games to his your squad, because that was an ugly play. That was an ugly play. Like you said, though, they could have done several things better throughout the game, um, but that was ugly. 
that was no, funny. it was no. But there's was no, funny. there's no denying that. That was crazy. All right, so let's move on. Though let's move on to the AFC. What were your thoughts on that? Um, I felt like I felt like defensively. Well, for, first of all, let me let me say this. Give credit. I got to give credit where credit is due. Belichick, um, you know, he, Robert Kraft, Brady, I think, I think Gronkowski, um, Julian Edelman, they definitely got together. They, they, they drank some of that goat's blood. Um, they chanted and they made it happen. They made it happen. Belichick called a very good game and they balanced things out. They ran the ball. They ran the ball. And in 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 a certain way, it, it was almost like we have to control the clock because we don't want to get his young bull Kermit the Frog more opportunities and more time than we already have to. And I believe a part of them running the ball was to control the clock and to keep his rhythm from developing which eventually it did. He got, he got kind of hot in the second half, but um, I think the running of the ball was to kind of control things, not to mention they just don't have the weapons outside other than Gronkowski, who's 50% of what he was two seasons ago uh, and had the body of an 80 year old. <clears throat> Even he, he came through with a really big play. Um, yeah. He, I mean, I was disappointed in the overtime rules, which are always the overtime. I mean, they are what they are, but you gotta create a scenario for for competitive greatness's sake that gets that young bull Kermit the Frog back on the field in overtime. Man, when 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 the Pats won the toss, I knew the game was over. Brady wasn't giving that ball back. I, I knew that. Now. You see, you mean um, you mean Kermit the Frog? Kermit, yeah, Kermit the Frog wasn't gonna get the ball. Brady wasn't gonna get that ball back. He was gonna drive down the field, and shame on Andy Reid a little. I think, I think the Chiefs have an okay defense. It's not bad, but they definitely need to invest if they can in in, in something on that side of the ball. Something. So I, um, I don't know. Tell you. It was it was it was crazy to watch because again, I I wanted Andy Reid to win, you know what I mean? Like but and Brady looked terrible for most of the game in my opinion. But when it came down to making them plays, he made them plays. To me the MVP of that entire game and I and I said it in our group chat was Tony Romo because Tony Romo called the hell out of that game, like I think I came Yo, more impressed every play. than any player. Every play. Yo, it was one play where he actually drew the play on the screen where he drew it with a thing like they're going to run. He's going to run here. He's going to run here. And they're going to throw the ball down the middle. And they did it. And I was like, yo, what's going on here? Like, yo, I, him in the, him in the broadcast, him in the broadcast booth makes you like him even more. Like I despise all Cowboys, yeah. but you can't help but like dude, man. No, here's the thing though. I, I'm I'm a Tony Romo critic. I don't even I I, I think that he he threw picks at the wrong time. Like me and Deb go back. He's a he's a Tony Romo apologist, a fan, and I'm on the other side of the argument most of most of the time. I recognize he has talent, 
but he's the goat. Yo, he's the goat in the booth, though. His booth game is major. Um, there was some people calling for him to get an offensive coordinator or head coaching job after that game. Because I thought it was just me, and I went on Twitter, and I was like, oh, everybody is seeing what I'm saying. This boy is calling the game. Like, it's crazy. Like, it's crazy how he sees the game. Um, to me, he was the MVP of the game. But on the football side of it, man, D Ford, come on, D Ford. D Ford, you're drawing, cuz. Like, yeah, the D game Ford. was over at that point. Yeah, the game was over at that point. The game was literally over, and you gave him new life. And it looks like ever since that play, Brady just started getting sharper. Like, oh, they're going to give me a chance to, like, still compete? Um, Edelman, all of a sudden after the game, I'm seeing I'm seeing online, even, like, watching the pundits on TV, talk about Julian Edelman is now a Hall of Fame guy. What's your thoughts? What? Get the entire F out of here. You know how, like, one of, somebody will say it and then they run with it, and that's been a topic of discussion. Topic of discussion Hell is no. Julian Edelman. You say no? Hell no. Hell no. Another play that has to be talked about is, uh, Sky, you just reminded me of it. I forgot about it. Was that roughing the passer penalty with the board and even touching? He said that was like the tuck rule. I mean, so, listen, I'm, I'm, we're, we're joking, and we're saying things for the entertainment value, but I dead on believe Jimmy believes in conspiracies and believes that Robert Kraft sends that bag where it needs to go, and I believe that they worship the devil and the devil controls the NFL. So okay, I'll go with things that. like that is going to happen. I'll go with that. I'll go with that. So, uh, so now we have uh, Patriots Rams, um, and I know we'll talk more in depth about this as uh, leading up to the bowl. But just your initial thoughts on, um, you know, what you think about that game? Are you looking forward to that game? You know, the funny thing is, because the Patriots won, it kind of like killed a little bit of like um, people's excitement about about the bowl. People were looking forward to seeing like a Chiefs Rams, like a, a you know two young quarterbacks, but it's the same old same old. Yo, the uh, the Rams have to get 300 yards rushing in order to win. 300 yards, 300 yards rushing. It's just difficult, man. Like like, Belichick somehow finds a way in these these games, man. It's like I don't know, man. It's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough, man. But we'll see what happens. We have a lot of time to talk about that. Um, couple other things real quick before we move on. This past week, there were anonymous Eagles players that were telling media members that Carson Wentz is selfish. He plays favorites, and it's why the team responds to Nick Foles the way they do, because he's more of a leader. Um, So some players came out right away and said, it's not true, I didn't say it, yada, yada, yada. And then some players didn't say anything at all, which led to speculation about who said it. What do you think about it? Do you think there's any truth to this? Um, Or do you think it's just like the media members making up stories? Alshon Jeffries is out here lobbying to get the ball more, and he knows in order to do that, he's got to slander Carson. Bottom line. Alshon, we, we, know, we know what you're doing, man. Shout out to our brother Hank. Who, 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 shout out to our brother Hank who said that right away. He said, man, it ain't nobody but Alshon. And the funny thing is, so Eagles players came out right away and, you know, talking about this is wrong, that's wrong. You go to Alshon Jeffries, John, and he got 
regular IG John. Like, you know what I mean? I'm out here chilling, taking pics. He ain't say nothing. So that's the speculation that it was Alshon. But they said that there's more than one player. Um, and um, the reason I think it might be partially true is because the way the team reacts to to uh, Nick Foles is kind of drawn. They go overboard to show their love for him. Like, they make shrines of him and stuff like that. That's a little bit too much. So, like, I'm always that was weird. Like, are you doing that? Listen, let, let, let me ask you this. What, what alpha male <clears throat> starting NFL QB who's the Don Dada isn't a little bit egotistical and selfish? Like, yeah, I heard that. Nick Foles that. isn't yeah, that. Nick Foles isn't. Nick Foles, but. But Carson Wentz is a guy that the Eagles gave up a lot to get. He knows that he's the man. He builds his image kind of in a clutch, you know, clutch sports manner. Oh, he's such a nice guy and blah, blah. Man, Nick Foles knows that he's the man. He is probably a little selfish. He sees the way the team rallies around. I'm not concerned about this in the least. I'm not. I, I don't okay. think it's. A, I think it's a non-issue. I think that all starting QBs have a huge ego and a little bit of selfishness, and I think that his recovery from injury sort of derailed some of the development that we should have seen this season. So he regressed a little bit, and he became dependent on his binky, and his binky is six five. 260 named Zach Ertz. Like if he had time to focus on development and OTAs as opposed to recovery, I think we would have seen more uh, distribution of the ball. We would have seen sharper passes. We would have seen more accuracy. Mm -hmm. Some of the criticism from the, from the quote unquote anonymous players were that his ego is so crazy. They said he acts like he won 10 championships when he hasn't won anything. They said that, he doesn't really call the offense the way that Nick Foles does. So there'll be running plays called, and he'll he'll call out of them just based upon his ego, like where Nick will let the play, like call the plays as they're called. And basically Nick sticks to the script. And they made a comment saying that he'll come in and say, don't, don't, don't give me none of those Nick Foles plays. Like, you know, so they were insinuating there's a little bit of jealousy there. Who knows? Um, who knows if any of this is true because, they're all going saying this anonymously, which is you know cowardly to begin with. This is all um, Alshon. The reason they say that the reason they're saying this anonymous is because they said that he has such power in the organization. But um, they're saying that his on the field, a lot of that goes to his ego. I don't know, man. We'll see, uh, man. End of the day, the team already came out and said he's that guy. So if it is what they're saying it is, it'll 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 work itself out one way or the other. Nick Nick Foles as a QB is nowhere near the athlete Carson Wentz is, so he has to stick to the script. He has to. Mm-hmm. Carson Wentz is mm-hmm. able to do things that Nick Foles can't, and so yeah, his ego is like, yo, I'm the man. I want my QB to feel like yeah. he's the man. So I'm all yeah, right with it. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. No Yo, doubt. just don't, just don't rape right, little girls. Shout out to Pittsburgh starting QB. <laughs> we got a call we want to get to in one second, but before we move on, um, and I tell people how to get in touch with us, just want to get sad of the week, and uh, that's Landry Shamit is the first NBA player to make 93 pointers 
in the first 49 games of their rookie season while shooting at least 40% from the arc. I know that sounded like a LeBron stat, but um, Landry's been playing very well, and we saw someone post that statistic, and it was like, you know, wow, I didn't realize he was playing that well, you know. Um, so salute to him and the Sixers for looking like, you know, they're, they're figuring things out uh, getting into the middle of the season. But that's our stat of the week. So he's made 93 pointers in the first less than 50 games into his rookie season, and he's shooting 40%. So that's impressive. So salute to him for that. Um, Shout out to Markel Fultz. Before we get to some more, before we get into some more sports topics, and we're going to get to that call, we just want to say that you can check out our website at warroomsports.com while you're there. Take your time to look around, click on the contact us tab to send us a message about our company, our show, or to inquire about sponsorship and advertising opportunities, or to join our network. For general inquiries, you can email us at warroomsports.com. While you're browsing the site, click on the memorabilia tab to buy Warroom Sports merchandise. Click the blog tab to read our latest articles in the All's Fair and Sports and War blog. Then click the respective icons and tabs to follow us on all social media platforms. To subscribe to our iTunes podcast or to watch our webcast at Warm Sports TV, everything can be found right at our hub. That also includes our mobile app, which is Android and iOS. That's all. Also at warmsports.com. If you want to join the JW Philly Realty chat room, you can do that right now at blogtalkradio.com slash the war room. To enter the chat room, just sign up for a free profile on Blog Talk Radio. If you don't want to create an account, you can just sign into your Facebook or Twitter account. We're pretty sure you got one of those. And while you're at it, click follow. You'll get updates and reminders about the show. We'll be taking questions and reading posts from the Facebook, Twitter, as well as our chat room as we've been doing so far in the show. Um, and if you want to call and speak to us, you can dial the Digital Extreme Technologies hotline. That number is 323-410-0012. Press 1 when prompted. If you're already listening from your phone, just press 1 if you want to talk. Um, we're going to talk about some things that happened while you were on the ground. But we do have a call on. I believe this is Nodge, if I'm not mistaken. Let's see who this is right here. You're in the war room. What's going on? Ain't nothing, man. What's going on, fellas? This Nodge, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I thought that was you, good brother. How are you, man? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's cold as hell down here for some reason, yeah. but I'm good. Good with y'all. Yeah, we ain't come to not we ain't come to Georgia for all this, do we? You know what I mean. <laughs> Once again, the cursed city. So when they get the Super Bowl, it's gonna be an ice bowl again, and people can't go to the functions <laughs> like they planned though. So that, that's what it's yeah. looking like, man. That's just God treating treating the Sodomites and the Gomorrites and the <laughs> Patriots fans as they deserve, man. Well, he's hated this city for a long time, man. So I mean, you know, you kind of got expected at this point, bro. But but at the same time, I know y'all ain't on here making excuses for that stinking city uh, to the south of us who lost that game. Of all of all fan bases to uh, have sympathy for, that ain't the one. Those former bag wearers are now trying to act like, you know, they, they the elite because they got one chip. I'm tired of them. I'm glad they took that L. And I hope. hope oh, no, 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 no. Hope. We never see that quarterback of theirs again either, man. So, I mean, yeah, well, I, I ain't going to be out here. These people talking about replaying the game. Like, replaying the game, bro? That is the ultimate crybaby sh- Like, bro, come on, man. I can't believe y'all y'all giving them a pass on this. No, nah, them raggedy Saints fans got screwed over yeah. by raggedy NFL officiators. What the hell? Nah, nah, just, calling, 
Not just not just calling for a JoJo award. That's basically what he's saying. <laughs> no, you know what? You know what though? Um, you know what, Nod? You're absolutely right about that. I just like to tell people all the time though. If that was your team, how would you feel? Because that, listen, I don't have any sympathy for him at all. But that play was ugly, though. You gotta admit that but that yo, play was ugly. It, it was, but at the same time, you know I mean? sometimes the genius wants to be recognized as a genius instead of doing the sensible thing, running the ball and kicking the field goal, uh, which would have won the mm. game for him, as opposed to doing what he did, which was, I mean, what, what are you doing? Like, what, what, if, if you are going to yeah. throw it, it should be the who? It should be the hook. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, what, what are you doing? Why would you yeah. run it? And if we're keeping it a buck, if that DB wasn't halfway crazy, he had a pick six because that old man with the uh, limited arm strength right now appears to have uh, short arm that one. So, I mean, it, it is you know what's what it funny? is, man. And you know what's funny? You're, you're the first person to make that argument, and it's so it's so much to that. Like, I've talked to people about this all week, and you're the first person to say, well, you should have just ran the ball. Like, like. No one is even brought that up. Like, yeah, you're right. You're right. If he just runs the ball, you don't even put that. You don't even give, make that in, like, you know, an option for him to miss that call. Yeah. So they've been you know, telling us we should have ran the ball for three years. So, so we ain't gonna say nothing now when it's their turn. No, I'm saying run, it. run, run the ball, I mean? run the ball, and kick the uh, run the ball and kick the field goal. At, at what? From what? From what yeah. distance again? Where was the ball at? That was. Uh, I'm not sure. I know they were in the red zone. Were, yeah, they were in the red zone. So. They yeah, could have exactly. just ran because even if they make that call, if they, if they make that call, they can kneel on the ball and still kick it and it's over. Like, but I didn't you know, like you're the first person that bring up. Well, you shouldn't even threw that pass. You could have ran the ball right there and kicked the field goal. Be conservative instead of being uh Sean Payton. Yeah, the one time it's like when he's not when he's not conservative. You know what I'm saying? He blows the game. So it is, so it is what it is. Couldn't have yeah. a more deserving coach I kinda, either. I kind of made that. I kind of made that point earlier. Um, Naj, I made the analogy of a talented shooter versus a guy that's just, you know, kind of a good scorer. Let's say LeBron. LeBron's field goal percentage is high, but we don't think of him as a great shooter versus a guy like Kobe who can shoot his ass off, but Kobe will take behind-the-backboard shots and think that they should go in. That's Sean Payton as a play caller. Sean Payton knows that he's smart, Knows that he's a good play caller, so he gets a little beside himself with the extras. Yep, agree. And, and that point you made about uh, overtime—that's a well-made point, man. Not only should the NFL uh, change the overtime rules, but honestly, if you change all the other rules and get us into a college-style shootout type of football, then of course you should update the overtime rules because the overtime rules for what back in the day when it was really hard to move the ball, really hard to score because you weren't giving the offensive side all of the benefits of new rules. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to play this style of football, then yeah, you should change overtime. Like you're, you're right on that one. Man. That that makes no sense whatsoever. Do you think that you just adopted yeah, my man. the college rules already they, my man Kermit. they did not let my man Kermit defraud back on the field. That hurt me, man. <laughs> yeah. And if we get into them, man, Andy's taking a lot of heat. The only mistake Andy made was bringing that defensive coordinator back this year. He should have been fired last year. Marcus Peters called for it on the way out the door, and we saw why. They sat there and covered two against the Pats when the Pats don't have a deep threat. Brady has trouble getting the ball down the field, you know, to a certain extent as far as bombs. Hell, the Patriots are so desperate for a deep threat, they brought in, you know, our boy Josh. Yeah. You know, they, they wouldn't have normally done that. But That's this a great 
They sat back and covered two all night as if Edelman is going to be 50 yards down the field. I'm a big proponent of the cover two, but you don't run the cover two with a guy that can't throw the ball 20 yards down the field outside the numbers. For what? Yeah, that was interesting. <clears throat> right, and no yeah, way to get it done. Well, people like, this is what I run, and we're going to keep running this, and you see it's not working, but you're so stubborn. You're like, this is what I run. That, that always that always intrigues me about sports in general when I see that, when I see coaches on both sides of the ball who just are so stubborn that this is what they do and they're going to continue to do it. Like, it's obviously not working, um, but I'm going to do this. Like, that made no sense at all. Still a shout-out to D. Ford, though, because D. Ford still, um, you know, he, he has to hate himself. Yeah, yeah, man, that dude cost me a couple thousand dollars, so I'm I'm kind of heated about that because that game went the whole other way. Yeah, that that could have went the whole other way, but but just but just think about this though. If you're not necessarily a good defense, the only strength you have is the the one pass edge pass rusher, and you got Eric Berry back. It's really important for you to not only take risks, but you have to be high pressure. You can't allow them to dictate to you. And they sat back there and allowed them to run the ball. I think Michelle had 17 carries in the first half, and they just kept mm-hmm. the ball out of uh, Mahomes' hands and dominated mm-hmm. the game in that way. Now, it changed in the second mm-hmm. half, but, hell, it should have never came to that point because you shouldn't have allowed them to play football that way. And then on third down, like I said, they would sit back in that cover two, and Brady was just eating them up for those little seven- and ten-yard completions uh, whenever they didn't get uh, nice gains in the running game. And, and Gronk is finished. Why are people still covering Gronk as if Gronk is going to kill you up the seam? Yeah. Yo, Gronk might, Gronk, might be, Gronk might be finished, but he treated Eric Berry like a little boy on a couple plays. Yeah. Well, well, well. He here's did. the thing. He Gronk blocked most that. of the game. Gronk, Gronk blocked most of the game. But, but, what, but what? what impressed me is, because I didn't even think Brady had the best game, but what impressed me is no. with Gronk and Brady, when it came in, as they call it, nut cutting time, like they made the plays when they had to because Gronk was blocking most of the game. But when they called his number and he got the, uh, you know, the man up, it was like, all right, now is my number. Let me do this. Yeah, but DBs have talked about this all season. They said the thing they found out was Gronk can't restart anymore. So if you redirect them or try to jam them early, it's not the same as back in the day, or I don't want to say back in the day, let's just say two years ago, where Gronk could still hit that second gear on you and, and create separation. Now, if, you, if you're able yeah. to get him initially, you know, on contact, he can't juice you like he used to. So, I mean, that, that was, it was bad defense overall. But that, that coordinator he's done, I'm sure he won't be in the NFL anymore. They just hired Spagnolo today. So that's an upgrade for the Chiefs. But sometimes, man, scheme-wise, like, you have to do different things. You have to have your players at least aggressive. Like, you didn't go into that game thinking your defense was good. So, I have no idea why he thought they were going to, you know, perform well and just tackle everybody after catching. Like, no, nah, Brady's going to carve you up. That was, it was dumb. So I'm, well, let, I'm let, really, me, really let me ask you guys a question. We got a comment in our, in our chat, uh, chat room um, that says the Chiefs miss Hunt. Do you think that he would have made any difference, or do you think they miss like Miss Hunter at all? What's your perspective on that? Yeah, I mean, you got it. Yeah, he's a better back, so he would make a difference, but that wouldn't have stopped they him the one that the ball without him. him in the first half. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Okay. But I mean, he's a better back, okay. so I mean, yeah, an upgrade would be nice. Like, who don't want to upgrade? You know what I'm saying? But 
at the same time, <laughs> the plays were there to be made. Uh, Mahomes had a few bad misses of what would have been big plays, especially in that first half. He appeared to have the jitters on a few throws. So, you know, they, they were making a lot of mistakes, man. And I, I kind of feel bad for Andy uh, just because a lot of this is being blamed on him when that damn D.C., man, God, that boy was horrible. Yeah, yeah. Well, before we get you out of here, let me ask you: What's your what's your early thoughts on this bowl? Like, what what do you? How do you see this playing out? Um, you know, is it going to be a good bowl? What's your early thoughts? Yeah, I think it'll be pretty close. Uh, I guess the only thing that matters is if Jared Goff uh, is scared of the moment. Uh, if he can just play <laughs> to his level, they'll be fine because he plays off play action and what Gurley can do. And I, I don't know if Gurley's banged up or what but he doesn't look as explosive. But uh, always remember with Brady, the most important thing is pressure up the middle, and ain't nobody blocking your boy. So there's going to be pressure on Brady, and they won't yeah. be able to just, you know, run the ball at will. So I think the Rams are going to win a close one, man. And I'm not saying that because I hate the okay. Patriots. Okay. All right. That's what's up. You're the first person that says pick the Rams, hey, hey, though. You know, salute folks, for that. Y'all Eagles folks got to chill out, man. Anybody who is sitting on the sideline hurt and somebody else is taking your job and won a chip, you're going to be insecure as hell about it. So, yeah, Carson Wentz is insecure about that dude. And y'all got to get him out that damn locker room. You can't have that dude there and expect Carson to prosper. Either you ship Carson out and roll the dice or you ship that dude out. And the the logical thing is to ship out Foles because, hell, man, come on. I'm trying to see Nick Foles get $37.8 million a season. For what he did for my friend. Yeah. So he gonna get somebody so, so fired. What you're saying is, <laughs> what you, pretty much. But what you're saying is that it's probably true. But at the same time, like who wouldn't feel that way? Yeah, dude. Did y'all ever have a situation? Look, I, I, I don't want to get too personal, but uh, let's say I, I I took some liberties on senior skip day and I was accidentally <laughs> ineligible for one game, and we happened to win that game on the road. Man, you think that next game I wasn't inside hoping that we lost, which we did, and I came back, got my starting spot back. Listen, but I, listen, I, I understand exactly row, what I'd you're saying. Shook. I'd have been shook, bro. <laughs> listen, I totally, I totally get that because I often wonder, I often wonder when you watch it, like, like I wonder, like, how did he feel that whole Super Bowl run? Because part of him has to wish that they didn't win without him. He just has to. There's no way. <laughs> Deep down. <laughs> Hey, imagine you come to work, you you miss a day next week, and some dude comes in and reorganizes and makes everything better as far as uh, y'all 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 computers or or how everything works throughout the department. Yeah, and you won't be at work Monday on point. You know what I mean? Like it is what it is, man. And you know, Nobody it's funny though because I, I saw the I saw the I saw a debate this week, right, where someone said, um, when when should feel that way because he doesn't have any rings, and I and, and the argument was, well, he does have a ring. He has a ring from last year. So, and I even saw Devin's argument. His, his his point was, before he got hurt last year, he's the reason they were in position to make it because he had such a great season. How do you like so when when the when the story is all said and told, you know, we, let's just stop it now. Say he never wins a ring. Does he? Does that count last year if uh, Carson Wentz having a Super Bowl? As we it'll compare, count, it'll count technically. But when you talk to an athlete, you I mean, y'all were athletes as well. You know what sweat equity is. Uh-huh. You know what you contributed to and what you didn't, so you have the ring, but mm-hmm. you ain't gonna feel as good about it. I guess, I guess it's the you same as like does Phil Sims count his ring that he won with Jeff Hostel that took his place. 
and, and what kind of dudes you are. Hey, man, there's some grown men who are comfortable playing Madden on rookies. And win, you know what I'm saying? And winning Madden. <laughs> like, there's, there's some people who are built different. I don't I like that. Bars. I like that one. Grand in the grand like scheme of things, let's let's talk about character, and because that's really where you're going with it. So Carson Wentz, if he is who I believe him to be, cannot allow himself to feel comfortable having another man walk around with his babe, buy his groceries, and uh, <laughs> and 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 quarterly, and quarterly exercise with her, right? So that's kind of what it was, even though. He was an excellent, excellent man up until game 11, right, at MVP right. rate. So I think as history analyzes, some, you know, some of our uh, us sports nerds will point to the fact that, hey, he played 11 or 12 great games before Nick Foles. But the storytellers, they're going to want to, you know, the, the Nick Foles story, that narrative is what sports is about to a certain level. Nick Foles was almost out of the NFL. He wanted to quit, and then he came back and won a suit. I mean, that's a great, great story. If Yeah, but, if it, does, but it doesn't Carson hit well. Wentz, this ain't Kurt Warner. He's about to go get somebody right. fired after they give him that bag. No, no, he no, is, this he ain't, no, he ain't. No, listen, he is not Kurt. He is not Kurt Warner. Uh, and so uh, I, I do think he's good enough to be a don't, star. Hey, don't, so don't, forget, don't forget, don't forget. Kurt Warner. Kurt Warner also took the Cardinals to the bowl too. Don't forget about that. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I, I, I forget. Listen, it, it, Nick Foles or Blake Bortles. Woof. Yeah. Look, I'm not a Nick Bo- a Nick Foles fan. I don't think he's great, but he's a lot better than Blake Bortles. Like Blake Bortles has always been terrible. The seasons he racked up yard, uh, yards and high touchdowns. Look it up. Those were where they were playing from behind, and he was just putting up numbers right. in garbage time when he, when he was winning fantasy chips. Right. But when you when the you offense, go back to that I'm AFC championship game when they had a ticket to the Super Bowl and they took the ball out of his hands because they couldn't trust him. I mean, that tells you everything about right. that dude. If Nick Foles ends up in Jacksonville, now obviously that defense has to decide whether they've fallen off or whether they have some pride. If that defense has some pride with Nick Foles back there. How does he change the complexion of a team like Jacksonville? Uh, yeah, I think he makes them a championship contender, man, because that defense is legit. Right. Remember, dude, they played a season where they missed Fournette for 10 games. What team can right. miss an all-pro player for 10 games, a major right. cog of your offense for 10 games and right. still succeed? You put Nick now, there, they're yeah, not they're the They're not controlling the clock. And you got Blake Bortles having to make throws that he can't make because he's not an NFL player. So I feel like in the right situation, Nick Foles becomes a decent a decent replacement. Now, if you if you ask, it's almost like these guys. It's like Kirk Cousins or or the other boy that went to Denver. Um, they're not starter caliber QBs. Nick Foles is probably a little better than them. But he's not someone you want to carry your team. So I think if you can, if he ends up in the right situation, you know you gotta you gotta let him go realistically because Carson Wentz is his team. So yeah, that, that's the trouble that's though. Because if you're his agent, is it your job to get him to the best place where he he can succeed, or the stupid owner who's about to throw that bag at him as if he's a franchise guy? You know what I'm saying? Like if you're the agent. 
do you steer him towards the money or do you steer him towards where you know he's going to succeed hey, on a team that's built you, to win? You had, you, here's what I say. You already had your Disney story. You got your championship. Now it's time to go get some generational wealth. It's time to get that check. <laughs> You know what I'm Shout out to the great Martin Luther King. As he said, we're coming to get our check, man. Salute to him. Anybody that don't know, <laughs> <at least> YouTube <laughs> it. Find out about it. Uh, holding it down, though, man. We're coming to get time, our y'all. check. All right. Thank you. Thank you, good brother. Thanks as always. All day. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Great call by Nadia, as usual, man. We support this support, man. This time we talk about what happened while you were on the grind, and this is brought to you by Sports the Book. And for those who don't know, it's quite frankly the greatest sports book ever written. You can get uh, one or two places. Go to sportsthebook.com, or you can go to our hub, which is warroomsports.com. But, uh, you know, for those who don't know, it was written by me. Um, but it is the greatest sports book ever written. I'm not saying that because it was just written by me. That's just what it is. But, again, it's time to talk about what happened like this. B. Austin, your guy, Vinny, the microwave Johnson. Story came out about him this week. They said that uh, he made about $5 million while in the NBA. Um, and, but they said he was very smart. He was a savvy investor. And they said Vinny, the microwave Johnson, is now worth about $400 million um, uh, through various investments, and he bought car dealerships. And so Vinny is sitting on some bread right now, man. So salute to Vinny Johnson. Just wanted to give him a shout-out because we always talk about when athletes go broke. So when we find guys sure, that, that get the bag, we got to salute them. Let me ask you a question real quick, though, right? So, I mean, I don't know if you're familiar with Junior Bridgman that played in the NBA as well, um, mm-hmm. who's one of the biggest uh, – well, he used to be one of the biggest Wendy's franchisees, but – he cashed that in, and now he owns a bunch of equity in Coca-Cola and has, like, bottling facilities. But he's also uh, worth several hundred million dollars. And I bring him up because um, in reading this Vinny Johnson story, what I found interesting is Vinny Johnson was a sixth man, and so was Junior Bridgman. And I wonder, is it anything to that where they're not, like, the face of the franchise or the go-to guy? They're not even a starter. But they're the sixth man, which means they're important to the team, so they still get a nice bag, but they don't have, like, all the pressures that come with – being, you know, um, the face of the franchise. Do you think it's anything to that, or am I just drawing by, drawing that parallel? No, I think that I think there's something to that. I think that with without being the face of the franchise in a time when you weren't in the 24/7 news cycle, they had the opportunity to ply their trade, make their money, enjoy the the fruits of being a basketball, a professional athlete while not being a star that was bigger than the game, right? Because at the time when he played, there were probably three to three to five guys that were bigger than the game. And then everybody else was just, you know, a tall guy playing ball, you know? So I think that yeah, they had but, the benefit but, you know, of, Vinny, of that. Vinny had, two Hall of Fame, Vinny had two Hall of Fame guards in front of him. So he really didn't have the pressure they had. Like he had uh, Joe right. Dumars and Isaiah Thomas, like, he had two Hall of Fame guards, so he was – he, he, he made one and a half of but he, you know. Hall of Fame. <laughs> but I was just wondering, I was like, that's interesting that these two guys are like one of two of the biggest success stories, um, you know, in terms of guys that's not going broken and actually turning the money and flipping and flipping and flipping it. And they're both six men. I just wonder if it was something to that, man. But anyway, salute to I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy for them. I'm proud of the story. And this is another reason for War Room Sports to exist because 
when we control the media, we're able to tell our stories, feature the stories that we want to feature, because let's face it, when we think of black wealth and black excellence in, in this country, it's always focused on certain areas as opposed to looking at captains of industry, right? We don't hear about Aliko Denzel. We don't hear about Vinny the Microwave Johnson and how he really amassed his wealth. We don't hear about Bridgman. We don't mm-hmm. hear about oh, those types of folks. We hear about Jay-Z. Which is fine. Salute no, to you're him. right. You're right. You no, know, you're so. right about that because the thing is, though, and I, I talk about this all the time. Like, it, it's amazing to me, not even just now, but throughout history, how many people that we have that have contributed to the quote-unquote culture, um, economically, um, artistically, um, intellectually. Like, we we we're always given a couple names. Like, you know, um, we just mentioned uh, Dr. King, right? But when you read history and you see how many people that were involved in civil rights and how many people who fought for our freedom, it's like, wow. Um, and when you talk about economics, you hear you hear the Jay-Z or the Oprah. Like, we're giving those names, but there are people that are, you know, make, doing great business and making – which is why um, things like black enterprise are so uh, important. Um, it's why HBCUs are so important. And I don't want to go off on a tangent, but let's just say we have people out there who are brain surgeons. We have people out there who are captains of industry, like you said. So there's people out there doing amazing things. So um, we want to highlight, because this is a sports show, getting the mic safe, because that story dropped, and um, we thought that was dope. Now, going back to politics and sports, because some people get pissed when we do this. The high school basketball team, they quit an MLK Day tournament because uh, fans were flaunting a huge Trump flag. And they were afraid that, uh, you know, things were going to boil over. It's been a lot of tension in the high school ranks um, with, uh, you know, the teen MAGA crowd, which is crazy because they they feel very emboldened these days. Teenage MAGA supporters, um, which is going to be scary because we know where they're going to be in the future. What do you think about this? Brother B, still there, good brother? Oh, okay. Well, I, I, I guess Brother B. Austin. Um, I don't know what happened to him, but anyway, um, in reference to this story, I thought this was thing, man, because it just goes to show that just a flag can draw so much emotion, draw so much emotion. But I also understand the fact that listen, if they don't, if they don't do this, and if something like bigger happens, this is a bigger story. So I wouldn't criticize them for walking away either, because. I know that if you don't walk away, what the outcome could be. You know what I mean? Like, so it's easy to sit and criticize now, but if they didn't, if they didn't walk away and let them go out there and play, and then it turned into a melee, people will say, "Why would they go out there and play?" You know, you can't have it both ways. Hold up, real quick. Uh, <laughs> I'm seeing uh, Skyview in the chat room. You said Reggie Lewis is still the goat. Reggie Lewis, huh? Um. Anyway, B. Austin. Let me still there, B. Austin. B. Austin can't hear you, good brother. Anyway, um, another good story, Kevin Durant. We know a lot of our fans can't stand Kevin Durant these days, but Kevin Durant opened a Durant Center to help low-income students with college. He did it in the DMV area, which is where he's from. So, you know, uh, salute to Kevin Durant for still giving back to the community, although a lot of people have turned on you. You know, you're still out here trying to make a difference, and that's all we could ask for. So salute to Kevin Durant. Let's see what else is going on here. 
Ooh, we, we talked about Pacquiao earlier in reference to the fight. Well, here's another story surrounding this fight. Manny Pacquiao's home was burglarized while he was, <laughs> while he was out there beating on Adrian Broner. His crib got burglarized, um, which is crazy considering the amount that Pacquiao, like, gives back. Pacquiao is one of the more philanthropic fighters, but I guess that don't matter. When you got to pull the jokes, you got to pull the jokes. So while he was beating on Adrian Broner, his crib was getting uh, ran through, and, you know, people did their homework. Um, sad story, but, you know, it is what it is. I Dang, they lined up. They lined my man Pac-Man up? Yeah, he got Rafe and Miz while he, while he was fighting. Yo, I was about to say, we know who the perps were. Shout out to Rafe and Miz. I'm not snitching. I'm just saying, shout out to him. Um, that that previous about- story, I, I, I was, I was uh, the, uh, the generator went down because, you know, anytime we get ready to talk about something that impacts society and, uh, and what's going on, you know, they always try and cut us off. Um, listen, man, the dominant culture that has that is woven within the tapestry of this country's life's blood, listen carefully to what I'm saying, is white supremacy. That's the dominant culture of the United States of America, nothing else. Is that the only culture that's here? Is that the only thing that we're not? No, of course not. There's, there's wonderful, beautiful, amazing people of all races, creeds, and color. But the dominant culture is white supremacy. And we're seeing that now more than ever. These feelings, these people have always had them. They've always been there, hidden under the surface. Now, with this person as president, they feel comfortable. There's a certain comfort level in coming out and expressing that they feel as though America isn't great because it's not white enough. And these people don't know their place. And so we're going to take time to express exactly who we are and what we believe in, particularly on Martin Luther King's day, so that you know exactly what it is. Girls playing basketball, playing a sport to entertain us. We're going to show you who and what it is. This is America, ladies and gentlemen. So I'm not surprised. I'm thankful that they chose to protest being disrespected. And now to all of those folks, mostly white, some not, that say, why does make America great again bother you? Or why do people? These are the examples of what it's it's codified language. This is what it really means. Don't look at what the words are. Look at the messenger. Look at the originator and the context that it's used in. So, yeah, there we have it. And it's only going to continue because racism ain't going nowhere. White supremacy is not going nowhere. Not in the U.S. of America. Pretty much. A couple things real quick, though. Um, you know, you, you said that so eloquently that, uh, <laughs> Scott, you said you came back on sounding like God. But, um, listen to this. <laughs> man. Yo! Your man, Darren McFadden. <laughs> Darren McFadden got arrested for DWI. And what happened was my man was in a drive-thru line and fell asleep. And he was sleeping in the drive-thru and they noticed something off about him. So 
he was subsequently arrested for um, driving while intoxicated. Uh, so, you know, former Raider, we're going to blame him on the Raiders. And, you know, that's the Raider lifestyle. Um, but anyway, man, here's a quick story for you. Iman Shumpert, NBA player Iman Shumpert. Now, this was a story that it was alleged. I don't know if it's true. Seemed kind of fishy, but um, he allegedly impregnated a porn star. Um, and the thing is, he uh, had relations with that porn star while having a threesome with his wife. So him and his wife invited a chicken, and he allegedly got the other chick pregnant. Um, I don't know about that. How crazy is that? Like, how do you how do you have an, um, a threesome with your wife, but you end up um, jumping in a uh, you know I mean? I totally I totally believe this story based on the lifestyle that I know them to live. And and it's funny because I mean, she got a song on one hand, she got a song on her album about a three way call. I think it's called Three Way, as a matter of fact. So she bought that life. On one hand, I I, I love and support. I I support black love, and I like the images that they put out there, um, and the way that they you know that they try they try and and support and promote the black family. But I even question I question their culture. And as as adults, right, married adults or adults that are together, you have the right to do anything that that your part, you and your partner deem as you know within your your world, your sexuality, whatever it is. But what purpose does it serve? And what is what's the result or the potential result going to be? And as a queen, why do you allow that? And so I don't want to get too too far into you know all of that, oh, but I, I definitely see, believe I still... look at it that deep. The question yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, trying I know. to figure out is my question. I'm trying to figure out. I mean, because my thing is y'all can do what y'all want to do, but my question is, yeah. what's the protocol with that? Like, if if that's true, if you if that if everything is true, how are you dumping in the other like? Isn't the pro- and I don't know that here, means that was something. Like, trying to figure it out. Though. Here's the thing: when when doing when engaged in that, and it's your wife, should there even be protocols? See, that's why you don't invite somebody else in because it shouldn't be. So that that's why you know. I mean, listen. But that, hey, that's neither here nor there, I, man. I know, Hopefully, they figure out. Now, now, now the I, I, now the uh, you will have two, two moms and one dad. So. But but I don't even know if it's true because this rumor started because the chick is pregnant, and he like put a heart under her picture. And people knew that they had engaged before, so they just assumed that he was saying, hey, that's my baby. So it started from some IG nonsense, so it might not even be true. But it just brought up further questions. I mean, I've never engaged in those kind of activities uh, with my wife. Um, yeah, and notice how I said that. But but that's also that's also my fault because I'm like a selfish dude too, and I, I'd probably be like jealous. I'm a jealous boy, so that's for my own good. But my point is, this is just weird, like, because if you do invite someone in, how do you end up finishing there? But, you know, maybe somebody can help me out that's listening. How do you finish there if that's what you're doing? Move on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. It's time to give some birthday shout-outs. My quick, birthday! Man. Yay! Yo, Scott Casimir is 35. Salute to him. Uh, Jay Walker, 47. Mary Lou Retton is 51, and Chris Warren is 52. We'll breeze right through them because none of them are that important to us. But we do want to give a big warm salute to all these folks on their birthday or their birthday, birthday. week. Yay! But 
Listen, you guys know how to get in touch with it. 323-410-0012. But it's time to talk about the NBA and the NBA wrap is brought to you by Digital Extreme Technologies. Do you or your business need a custom website? Stop using those Wix sites and use Digital Extreme Technologies to get you a custom-made site. And you can get it at an affordable price, and you can put some on it. You ain't got to have all your bread up front. Um, what you got to do is this. Go to digitalextremetech.com, or you can call 267-205-4200. Zero three, but here's the kick: when you make this phone call to Digital Extreme Tech, in order to get hooked up, say, "Yo, I heard it while listening to the War Room, and Jimmy said I need this site. I can't use a Wix site because my Wix site is trash." Definitely time to talk about some basketball real fast. Get out of here. So, um. And I'm not even giving you the statistics just to give you the NBA players of the week. They're D'Angelo Russell and James Harden. Um, D'Angelo Russell's having a pretty, pretty impressive season. Um, we know how he left L.A., um, you know, for snitching and, and so on and so forth. But he's found a home over there in Brooklyn, and he's playing very good basketball. They said he's a borderline all-star this year. So salute to him for getting his career back on track after what happened, uh, you know, with him out in L.A. Um, James Harden is just tearing the entire NBA up. He's still on fire. He's putting up historic numbers. And, you know, we had a long conversation about this in our group chat today because, you know, I was trying to point out the fact that if you look at the whole insanity phase, when insanity was going crazy, that was within this same mm-hmm. system. And Jeremy Lin was putting up Hall of Fame numbers. And then as soon as Tony left, I mean, like the very next game, it was a wrap. Um, it was back to it so, was like it was like Cinderella and the slipper, and turned into a pumpkin. Exactly, exactly. So we talked a little bit about this earlier. How this is also a, just to show you the kind of skills he has. So you have the guy, you have the guy, tremendous skills. And I think what you, I think what you said is he's already a Hall of Famer without the system, but you put him in the system and you get this. Um, I got a question for you. My man put up sixty one last night. And he's, he's getting to the foul line. He's knocking down three. He's doing pretty much everything. He's he's like fourth in the league in assists while leading the league in scoring. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think he'll have a shot at Kobe's eighty-one? That's my question. Potentially, only because of the free throws, and that's that's the only without without the the, the way he goes to the line. I would say, no, it's going to be a challenge. But because my man slows the game down so much, he slows the game down and he gets 20, 25 free throw attempts, I could see a game where he goes to the line and gets 35 from the line, 40 from the line. (laughs) I, I can see that. And then it becomes a question of how, in shape is he? How fit is he? Is he able to maintain his 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 fitness in the game to be able to hit at that clip because he's going to get tired? And we're we're going to see the fatigue set in. That's the reason. Some people will say it's because of the talent of the Rockets. They're just not talented enough to really go anywhere in the playoffs, especially not versus the dynasty. Um, and that's what we call the. Uh, the Golden State Warriors over here, the dynasty, right? So 
Some would say that, but I would also say their chances become even lessened because dude's going to be fatigued by the time the playoffs come around. And the refs, we all know, they get their instructions from Adam Silver. Don't call that bullshit during the uh, during playoff time. So when he stops well, getting well, those calls. Davi, mm-hmm. Davi says that he thinks that Clay Thompson will hit 81 first. Here's my thing, though. Here's the reason why I think Harden may, may have a shot. Because even 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 in watching him perform last night, um, he takes a lot of threes. So if he has one of those games where he could put it all together, um, so I see Casey Mack just brought that up too in our, our chat. He says he misses too many threes. Um, but he's saying the same thing I was getting ready to say. If he has a night where he's knocking down his threes and he's getting to the line, yeah, I could see it. Because so 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 that so many threes. When you. When you add them together, so you have to have a way to score easy buckets to get that type of that type of number. Like at some point, it's got to come easy, right? So usually it's either one area your game is just clicking or working as opposed to all. For Kobe, it's mid-range plus threes, plus getting to the rack, plus you know, plus the line. With Harden, he does. He's not really a post-up player. He got a decent post-up game actually, but we don't see it because Dan Antonio, uh, Antonio doesn't allow that. But if there comes a time when he is hitting from three and still getting to the line at a high clip, shooting over ninety, that's the easy buckets we're talking about. Him getting to the line is like Kobe posting up and getting to the line. Dog, it's to, it's to the point with him where the way he's playing right now, where I saw him like get forty the other night, and they said he had a bad game. I'm like, yo, how do you have forty in a game that people say you were off? Like that's that's how crazy it is. Like, yeah. like yo, forty, you was off though. Like it's kind of crazy, man. Here's the story I gotta get your opinion on. Um, we got about ten minutes left. I wanna get your opinion on this. Um, and this happened a couple weeks ago. Um, Byrie Irving, as we call him. There's a story about him calling LeBron to apologize. He wanted to apologize and recognize, um, you know, his part in how everything played out and recognize how difficult it is to be a leader now that he's in his current, like, you know, his current situation with the Celtics where he's like the uh, the leader and trying to get guys to follow. So he apologized because now he recognized it. Um, some people thought this was a great thing. Some people criticized him for it. Like I saw Charles Barkley go in and say, like, you know, let it be. You ain't got to do that, though. So I want to see how you felt about it. Do you think it was like a, a sign of respect? It was a good thing that it showed his maturation? Or do you think he was like, you know, he's a poise? What do you think? I don't really understand these new dudes. I mean, on one hand, I could be uber mature and say it takes a very big man to acknowledge his wrongs and apologize to another. But on the other hand, I could say, yo, you're in the middle of a season, cop. You at war. You're leading your team. Yo, you can save that for the offseason behind closed doors. Like, you're apologizing in the media to a new deployment. I don't understand. I I don't. I kind of had this um, conversation with my mother about certain things where when you get out on your own, and you start to recognize stuff, and then you call your mom like, "Yo, I see what you was talking about," because you couldn't recognize it at the time. But that's also oh, my yeah. too, so it's a little different. You calling calling another grown ass yeah. man is a little different. Um, but what I, what I took from it, to be honest with you, 
Yeah, what I took from it, though, is I think this was like a, a, a – he's playing mind games. This is not really about LeBron. This is him taking a shot at light-skinned Mamba. This is his way of, like, getting Jason Tatum alive. He's basically saying, yo, I'm the leader of this team, and now I got to deal with these young knuckleheads. To me, this is a shot at his team. I think, Damn, he, that's you deep. know, this whole story getting out there. Yeah, I think that, that's what I think it is, though. I think it's, like, him asserting himself as the leader. Because coming into the season, some people were saying, this is Tatum's team. This is that and the third. And I don't know if Caps know, Tatum isn't doing what you guys thought he would be doing this season. Some will say he's taking <laughs> a step back. But it's easy to do that. I mean, he's still having an okay season, but, you know, they were cats that were jumping out the window. Shout out to uh, the homie Court, who said that Tatum was like a top five player in the East and he was better than Giannis. And I just want to know dope or dog food because um, <laughs> Tatum isn't there. Tatum isn't there. And I think this, this is about. Yo, my man Giannis could fall off. About five points per game, and he's still cooking Tatum right now. Yo, in every statistical category, every one of them, rebounds, all of it, field goal percentage, all of it. Um, so to me, that's what that was about, though. But you, you said that you couldn't see like calling another grown man. You said what? Not you, no, no, no. Listen, listen, that your perspective, your perspective is amazing, and I do know that that. I do know that that Byree sits at the feet of the the Mamba, and the Mamba sits at the feet of Phil Jackson, and all them dudes is into the cerebral, and so Byree is is a pseudo intellectual, and he plays a little bit of mind games because his hero played mind games. So I can I can appreciate your perspective. I never would have connected those dots at all, but now that I'm thinking that it, it could be something to that. It could be. It could, I just wouldn't. I just couldn't apologize to LeBron because, in my mind, if I'm Kyrie, I'm better than LeBron. LeBron's biggest moment in Cleveland, the biggest moment in LeBron's Cleveland tenure, was me. I did it because I hit that game winner. Like I can't apologize to a nigga who can't take game winners. <laughs> real quick though, before we get out of here, real quick, Carmelo got traded to the Bulls. Some things gonna be waived right away. <clears throat> My man Carmelo played for so many teams in the last like eighteen months. Cause I don't, I don't even know what to say no more, man. Like just, all I can say is stay mellow. Um, cause I don't know, man. So last thing I want to talk to you about is one Victor Oladipo. So he got injured. He has a, a ruptured quad tendon, so he's done for the season. My question to you is, do you think that him and Bria broke up and that's what happened, that's what made this happen? Yo, I hope, I hope, because of where he comes from, I hope he didn't break up with her, man. Yo, man, state, yo, you won, cuz. You not even that good, but you good. Get well. <laughs> yes. Get better soon. Yo. We all do this. We all want to be Victor Oladipo. I don't want to be LeBron. I want to be Vic. Salute to Bria Miles, man. For those who don't know, just look up Bria Miles. That's allegedly, uh, well, it was allegedly his girlfriend. We don't know now. We're thinking that maybe this is the result of them breaking up. And what happens when you break up with Bria is you get injured. So, um, but salute to Bria Miles because we really just put Victor in our uh, topics to talk about her. So, um, salute to her, not him. But get well, though, too, good brother. Get well, Victor, man. So, man, listen, man, it's time for us to get out of here, man. 
I want to say thank you for joining us in the war room. Everybody who's listening, shout out to everybody in the chat room, Facebook, Twitter, those in the group chat, salute to all of you. People that called and got through, we appreciate it. Those that didn't uh, get a chance to get through, uh, we apologize. Um, you know, salute to all of our listeners. Tune in next week live right here or on demand as we dig deeper into our coverage in the Super Bowl because, you know, we'll be getting close to the Super Bowl. And the Super Bowl 53, we'll also catch you up everything happening in the NBA and everything else around the world of sports. So until then, enjoy your week. Check us out online all the time. Catch everything we do at the Hub, which is warroomsports.com. Also, pick up my book. You can get that at sportsthebook.com or right back at that Hub, which is warroomsports.com. Once again, federal workers and everyone else affected by the government hostage situation, keep your head up. In the words of Tupac Amaro Shakur, until next time, everybody, don't accept mediocrity. Steadfast in the war against ignorance, and we shall see you chumps on top. www.warroomsports.com What? Ain't no more to it.